The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, we're live at Hallis Hall. The Bears getting set to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're 0-1. An hour from now, we'll talk to Barstool Big Cat. It's our first time talking to Josh Lucas, isn't it? I right think now? so, yes. He's, uh, he's getting more into media. Still lives in the area as well. He's the former director of player personnel for a while uh, for the Bears. He got here in 2015, I believe. Uh, worked under Ryan Pace. They drafted a couple of different quarterbacks during his time here, including Justin Fields. And uh, he joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Josh, how you doing? Welcome to Waddle and Sylvie. I am doing well, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Well, what do you? What did you think? What was your big takeaway in watching the first game of uh, the season with the Bears and the Packers? Offensive side of the ball, I'm not as concerned. There is talent in every unit of that offense to be productive and score points, give the, give the Bears a chance to win. They have to get better play from the quarterback. He's too, he said it yesterday, he's way too conservative. When there's shots, you have to rip the ball down the field. Explosive plays are so important because when you get into these 10, 12 play drives, every offensive play you run, you increase your risk of a penalty, of a mental error, a missed blocking assignment, turnover. And you saw that on Sunday. You know, they were moving the ball in the first half, and and you're coming away with field goals. You're shooting yourself in the foot with penalties. You can eliminate that with shorter drives through explosive plays, and they were there. They were schemed open. He didn't rip the ball, and it led to check downs, long drives, lack of points. I have confidence in the offense. I thought the protection in the first half was good enough. They got behind. Green Bay is a very talented defensive front. They were very well prepared. You let any talented defensive front pin their ears back in this league, you're going to have problems. Josh, uh, go ahead. I I was going to say, like, on the quarterback situation, and, and, and you were here and you guys drafted Justin Fields, a lot of people, when you criticize or critique Justin Fields, call us or others haters. They say the line stinks, the coaching stinks, the execution stinks. But what you pointed out right there is tangible reasons on how he needs to get better. Explain that to the listeners that that is valid criticism or critique. Yeah, 100%. And What gives me confidence is I don't think it's a vision problem. I've been around quarterbacks who just aren't seeing the receivers, the routes, anticipating guys coming open downfield. 
to me, I'm not in the room. I don't know where they're training his eyes. I can only watch the All-22 on Monday and give you my opinion. It's in his vision, and he's hesitant, and he's late, and then he he decides I can't make that throw when the throws are there. Is the guys like- around him, the 10 around him, the play calls, they're there. So, you know, what you saw in the first half, to me, was more on the quarterback. As the game went on, I think you had a lack of execution. I think you had some frustrated receivers. It spilled over to their blocking. I thought the protection started to break down more in the second half when Green Bay had a chance to pin their ears back. And and after he threw the pick, he didn't do a good job manipulating seven. He tried to manipulate him. He had he had the little uh, the route to Moore where he could have kind of fit the ball in the in the you know the whole shot there versus cover two. He tried to hold the linebacker, didn't do it long enough, telegraphed the throw pick. After that, he really got tentative. It was all check downs. Um, he let it, you know, it kind of, it was, it was opposite of the quarterback on the other side. As the game grew on, Justin got less confident. Jordan Love, no pressure around him, grew more confident as the game went on. So, you know, was, were the other 10 guys around him perfect? Was the coaching perfect? No. But they were good enough in the first half where the Bears should have walked into halftime with a lead instead of being down. And then it snowballed them in the second half. Josh, Long- is this, you go ahead, go I ahead. was just going to say, is this in his DNA? I mean, did you see some of these flaws when you all were, were, were thinking about taking him out of Ohio State? And are these things that you think even now, three years in, that they can be correctable? So Ohio State... He had the luxury of being very slow and deliberate in the pocket and allowing things to come open down the field because of the protection he was playing with and the talent on the perimeter versus his competition. We knew he was going to have to speed things up. As long as he can see it, to me, it's just confidence. So I do think it can improve. And part of that is the last two years, his first two years in the league, it was hard to get confident because there were more of protection issues. There was a lack of talent on the perimeter. Two different systems in his first two years in the league. Second year in the system this year, offensive line is good enough. I will tell you that all day long. And it's going to get better when Tevin gets back. And there's perimeter talent. There's speed. There's downfield talent. There's guys that can catch and run. He's got to get them the ball. I do think he can improve. He just has to get confident, and he hasn't become a confident NFL quarterback yet. Guys develop at different speeds. What I'm saying is there's enough around him right now. The coaching, I think, is good enough where we need to see it this year. Yeah, they've eliminated a lot of the excuses. Do you think, Josh, that by the time, and again, we had 16 games left in the evaluation process. We have plenty of time for that. Are you confident that he can prove with improvement that he is their guy going forward, or is that a huge question for you um, at this time? It's a loaded question from a talent standpoint, ability standpoint, post-snap processing. Yes, he has it. He has it. But it's now he's not, just... He's not their guy. We all know that. We can right. say it. Yeah, we can, we can talk out loud about it. It's not a hidden secret. Exactly. I don't know what they feel about that quarterback going forward. I don't know 
if it's imperative, they get their own guy in the building. To me, that's very risky because it's not as easy as, hey, we're just going to pick one. You know, I live that. Right. They all don't. They all don't hit. You're not always in the position to get the one you really want. If you got a guy in the building that has everything you need to be successful at the position, you do everything you can. You exhaust every opportunity and resource to make him succeed. And it feels from the outside looking in right now, they're in a little bit of a gray area. Yeah. Josh, that's just my honest. That's just my honest, you know, perception of what's going on right sure. now. Josh Lucas joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Josh was the director of player personnel under Ryan Pace uh, for the Bears since uh, 2015. He left in 2022. Um, I want to ask you, uh, before we get into a couple of other things, I want to ask you about Claypool because I thought what you said was interesting about Justin Fields not being their guy. Chase Claypool is their guy. They made that trade. They traded a very important draft pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 32nd overall. But he has really let them down since. Um, and he, he has not been available when he is available. In this first game, he's shown a lack of effort. So how many chances, Josh, does a regime give a guy like that? And what does it say to the locker room if you continue to give him more chances? I, 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 I love the question. I don't think he's exhausted his opportunities. I, 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 they, they need to know, and I'm sure they're well aware, these emotional outbursts from this player are part of his DNA going back to Notre Dame. Same issues in Pittsburgh. They were, had to be well aware of them when they acquired the player. They also need to get him involved, so that you know you have you have two sides of this. They need him to control his emotions, not let negative plays early in the game spill over to the to the other parts of your game. Obviously, we all know what happened in the blocking part of you know his performance on Sunday, but there were chances for him early on to be targeted to get involved. And they need to make sure they do get him involved early because you know what you're dealing with. They know what kind of person he is and what kind of player he is. Get him involved early. Let's see how he performs. If it continues to be what we saw on Sunday, you have to be willing to admit you made a mistake because exactly to your point, the first people that know are the players and the people in that locker room, it will become an issue if they think he's been given too many chances. I don't think they're there yet. I think it's a, you know, a, a kind of an avalanche and pile on from his performance on Sunday. Just one game. Let's see how he performs going forward. I remember when, when you guys uh, in the draft, I think it was the year you guys took Cole Komet in the, in the second or third round. I forget where, where you guys took Cole. I think it was around the same time that uh, Claypool was taken. And, and when Claypool put up the big numbers as a rookie, I'm like, damn, why didn't the Bears draft Claypool? Were you guys as a regime skeptical to take Claypool for these reasons? 
He, he, yes, we were concerned he was not off the board by any stretch of the imagination, and we were prepared to take that player. There was um, enough concern where we felt better with the makeup of Cole and the consistency that we would get from Cole, and we thought it was a bigger roll of the dice with a, with a player um, like Chase. And with our experience from the first several years in Chicago, you know, we didn't want to roll the dice anymore on some of these guys where we were maybe had some concerns with their ability to become consistent every Sunday performers in the NFL. With with that conversation, Josh, is the backdrop. I'd be very interested to hear your take as a front office guy about how the Bears went about their decision to draft Darnell Wrights and not draft Jalen Carter. Uh, Jalen Carter fits exactly what Matt Eberflus needs to be the motor for that defense, but there were obviously other off-the-field issues that they had to take into consideration, especially as a young front office and a young staff. Do you believe they handled the situation the manner that they had to handle it in? He's the most talented player in the draft. He's shown through one week in the NFL. He may be the most talented interior, young interior defensive lineman in the entire league. You just said it. He's absolute must for this defense based on what they're lacking right now. There had to be an extreme concern for his ability to become a reliable, accountable professional. I don't know the details. Right. I have all the respect in the world for that organization, for Ryan Poles and the rest of the crew, if they made that determination that they were scared enough by whatever they were hearing. I will never second-guess uh, an organization for doing that because I've been, I've been involved when it doesn't work out. Right. And that's a terrible, terrible feeling and sets your organization back, and they got to really, really talented right tackle who's going to be a good player for a long time. As much as it's, I could sit here and say, oh, they messed up and they could way, way use the, the three technique more than the, the right tackle, I'm not going to second-guess it because right. obviously the concerns were grave enough where they decided to go in another direction. And, and you know, you, 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 you know that's a, that's a, that kind of risk is real. Um, and when it doesn't work out, it goes bad and, and – Obviously, the, the concerns were to that level where they made the decision. That yeah, they made. Real quick, is it a fair statement to say if you're Howie Roseman and you've got the skins on the wall, it's easier for you to make that decision than it is for Ryan Poles in his first or second year? Yeah, one, you know, you, one drive away from winning the Super Bowl. Right. Have a locker room probably where they felt you know, there's some vet presence in that defensive line room. That, that could manage the player, um, much easier to pull the trigger if you're Howie Roseman and you're just trying to continue to uh, maintain the talent level of our already good roster versus someone who's in a complete rebuild and can't afford big swings and misses. Right. Josh Lucas joining us, uh, the former director of player personnel for, for the Bears under Ryan Pace. All right, give us a, a, give us a story can you take us back in time on the drafting of Mitch? And uh, were you included in the thought process there? Absolutely. Absolutely included from the very beginning. Um, you know, I, 
I don't know. Can you be a little more specific on exactly what you want to you know ask about? Well, I, let me inter- interject yeah. this. Why Mitch versus either Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? It, so just to keep it simple, grades from the entire building, it was really Mitch, Patrick Mahomes. The grades on Deshaun were significantly lower. So the, the, the focal point from December on were those two quarterbacks. To answer the question um, candidly, honestly, and, and concise as I can, we felt we were taking the less risky player. We knew what kind of defense we were putting together. We wanted someone that had a high floor, even if we knew the ceiling was a little bit lower. We thought Patrick Mahomes was a much more risky selection, a a more volatile, greater chance of missing. Obviously, we were wrong, we were incorrect, but that's the easiest way for me to answer that question. What do you say to people, Josh, who who call us and say, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes if he was with the Bears? Incorrect. He's transcendent, he's elite, he could be the best ever. If not one of the top five, he is special. His ability to play off script in this league, his vision down the field, to continuously create plays for four quarters is just rare. I think there's four or five transcendent quarterbacks in this league. You could pick them up, drop them into any one of the 32 situations, and they will give that team a chance to win a Super Bowl, and he is one of them. Did, Did you and Ryan ever sit down after making the decision, whether it's year one or year two, and just kind of have a come-to-Jesus moment and say, damn, we effed this up. Especially with regards to Patrick. Once we saw that and what he was doing, and especially the, especially the post-snap processing, what Mitch really struggled with, absolutely. You know, we got to that point where, hey, we missed. Now... You don't throw your hands up in the air and, 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 and hide underneath your desk. You take the situation that you have and you try to make it the best you can. And for us, it was a matter of, you know, once we got to that point where we knew Mitch wasn't going to be the long-term answer, how do we sustain this? How do we bridge to the next guy? Um, and we just didn't win enough games to be able to work with the next guy. We were able to draft him. We just didn't have enough wins to justify being the regime that was going to help build around Justin. Mahomes always has said that you guys told him you guys were going to take him. Is that true or false? I don't know what was said to the agent and to the player, um, but I would be – not being honest if if I said we were ever going to take him. You know, that, that might have been more smokescreen, not letting people know what we were going to do. Um, obviously, it sounds great. Yeah, we were going to take him, and we just we, – we, turn, we turned in the wrong cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I love, I love how honest you are. While we're being honest, how did you have the class of Justin's quarterbacks 
graded? What was the order of the quarterbacks when Justin Fields came out? How did you have them graded in the first round? Justin was only behind Trevor. That's it. Okay, he was your number two. He was only behind Trevor. This is I'm I'm speaking from the personnel department. Our coaches may have seen it a little differently, and you could ask the coaches on their specific rankings. But our grades are in the system, and uh, yeah, Justin was behind um, Trevor, and then after Justin, it was uh, Mac Jones. Were you how surprised were you when the draft unfolded? Josh, when obviously we all knew that Trevor was going to go first, but then then the order started to fall into place. How surprised were you by what other teams were doing? We knew the first two picks um, from March. Right. I remember being um, at North Dakota State at Trey Lance's Pro Day, and, and Ryan had let me know through whatever channels he was getting the information from that the Jets were going to take Zach Wilson. After that... Um, pretty uncertain what was going to unfold. Um, the trade, the aggressive trade up from San Francisco, I really thought that was going to be for Justin Fields. Um, so I was a little shocked when they took, they, they went that far up and used that much ammo. Not that Trey Lance wasn't really talented, great kid, they had the makeup, just very unproven, not enough tape, you know, one game that year because of the COVID. So you got one year of starting football at a 1AA school. That was a little surprising. Um, and then I thought Justin for sure would be gone by pick 10. I thought with Denver and Carolina, you know, backed up there in that 8-9 and nine range, both needing a quarterback – I thought for sure he would be gone by pick 10, and I knew if he wasn't, that game on, we would have a chance to get him. Uh, Josh, in the here and now, you look at this Bears roster. uh, Do you like it? Do you believe that Ryan Poles has done a good job in a short period of time improving the talent overall on this roster? I do. I really do. So offensively, I, I touched on it at the beginning of the segment. I like where it's going. You know, I think he's done a really good job solidifying the offensive line. I think you'll really see it when Tevin gets back and you're playing with five legit starters. You know, I think he, he inherited a couple good players on offense, you know, with, with uh, Mooney and Komet and, um, you know, Herbert. Like, there was a, a, a nice little core of young talent there to add to Justin as well, obviously. Defensively, I love the secondary. I really do. I like the secondary on how they mesh together. You got the outside cover, finesse, follow the best wide out around in Jalen. You got the gritty, tough, young, explosive in Tyreek. Same thing with the safeties. You got the finesse, ball hawk, center fielder in Eddie. You got more of the down run thumper, can blitz and brisker, young up and coming guy. And then you got a really good, interesting nickel, you know, who who's big and can support the run, but is still agile enough to be able to excel in man coverage and has a good feel and zone in there as well. Front seven, that's where the 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 heavy lifting is gonna come in the next, you know, two years. It's year two. You're not going to have a perfect roster. 
You know, I think they've made some investment in the front seven, but not enough, and they need to add some true difference makers. The issue in this roster is as clear as day. They don't have enough one-on-one winners as pass rushers. Interior and exterior, both inside and outside. And that's where they need to cover the most ground. And, you know, and then you can say it's a complete roster. But it's year two. Like, you know, it took us four years to get really going um, to a point where we could, you know, feel good we were going to win on every given Sunday. You know, and it's, it's year two for them, and they got some work to do. Yep. Josh, really good. We enjoyed this. Thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Josh. Anytime, guys. Thank you so much. There you go. Josh Lucas. Uh, again, he is the former uh, director of player personnel for the Bears under Ryan Pace since 2015. 15 through 22, and I started sweating in the middle of the interview. I was just going to say, like, I'm going to run into the men's room and throw up about the, yeah. and, and just about yeah. the, the conversation about Patrick Mahomes. Is, it was an interesting story, but again, I, yeah. I turned to you and I said, I'm sweating during this. Yeah. I started sweat, sweating. Like, I'm choked up I'm now. Cla- I'm glad. I'm, I'm, ups- <laughs> I'm glad he said what he said, though, about Patrick Mahomes. I get, you know how bothered I get when people always say, well, Patrick Mahomes would never be the player here. No. Patrick Mahomes would make you a better football team. I don't care what franchise you are. If he's your quarterback, you are going to be a significantly better team than if anyone else is your quarterback. Yeah, some good stories there, uh, even though they're painful. Yeah. All right, Waddle's World is coming up it's next. Painful. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Welcome to Waddle's World. Come inside. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Yeah, come on. Let's get weird. Uh, Waddle's World is brought to you by our great friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash find us. Member FDIC. I don't feel the need to pee. But you feel the need to react to uh, our uh, most recent conversation with Josh Lucas. One of my biggest takeaways on his uh, thought on uh, Justin Fields and how he played. So many people dig in to how they feel about Justin to come up with the way they spin the performance. Like if you're a diehard Justin guy... You're going to spin it as everyone else failed Justin, and you don't want to see that Justin failed. Or if you're a a guy who never liked Justin, it's all on Justin. Do you know what I mean? And I thought it was very interesting that the guy who was fired by the Bears, Josh Lucas, and the guy who drafted Justin could have easily said, Justin's not the problem. That's my guy. It's It's all the coaching that... These aren't my coaches. They're the new regime's coaches. They're not putting him in the best position. He took the opposite approach. He drafted Justin Fields and said, it's Justin who's processing. He's looking at it as an unbiased observer, even though he has one of the biggest dogs in the hunt. Dogs in the hunt because he was part of the process in drafting him. He told you that he had a rank second. Only next to Trevor Lawrence. Just like me. I should be running personnel. Don't you remember the draft? I I had him second, too. I don't think you could have done much worse. (laughs) I think you could have actually done better. 
You would have. You would have. Uh, listen, you this could is have what thrown I, a dart and, and. This is what I would tell people. Done the 2017 draft class. Absolutely. I, put on the film. Put on the film. But again, some don't want to see that. Well, if you put on the film and you aren't willing to come to the conclusion that there is culpability, culpability in a number of different areas, then you are just, I mean, you have blinders on and you're... Like, it, it's okay to, like, I still have hope, but I'm nervous now for the first time. I want, that doesn't mean I'm a hater. I want him to work out, but how can I watch that and say to myself, oh, it's all good here. We're all good. It's not. And if we're going to make fun of Mitch when Allen Robinson is waving his arms and he's wide open and Allen Robinson can't see him, well, when DJ Moore's open downfield all the time, we've got to say the same stuff. Hey, Justin, DJ's open. Plant the back foot and rip it. Josh saw the same frustration from the receivers that I saw with the video. It is what it is. I mean, you've got 16 weeks now. To change how better, everyone get, feels. Get like, listen, that's Make for everybody. That's for Nate Davis. That's for Darnell Wright. That's for Cody White here. That's for Chase Claypool if he's continuing to be given the you know a, a ton of opportunities. That's for the quarterback. That's for the secondary. That's for the the defensive line that needs to provide more pressure. That's for everybody. I mean, that's for Lucchetti. That's for that's for for Matt Eberflus. Like, I don't think that we have. I don't think anybody's gone untouched recently. Oh, no, they all. L- they like, like, look, I, I like he gave, my, he my was, level of disappointment is enhanced by how positive I felt about the direction of the entire program. I didn't think they were going to be a Super Bowl team this year. I didn't think they're going to true contender. I picked them to win seven to nine games. I settled on eight. Okay. I don't know what they'll end up being, but I didn't have them as a legit contender. So I am being a touch patient. I didn't expect to see. That disaster on the lakefront on Sunday. It was the worst game in the Eberflus regime. You don't expect that to start year two. I don't think anybody escaped the criticism, did they? Roshan Johnson's the only guy I think we've talked about. And Cairo Santos are the only guys that we have mentioned that we didn't think played a part in that disaster that took place. Anyway, I mean, people are going to do whatever people want to do. I don't care. Uh, what I do care about is is now we have a little bit of an uproar about that a- alien story from yesterday. Oh again. yeah, with the uh, Ma- with in Mexico. Yeah, an American UFO expert is now slamming Mexico's unveiling of the non-human bodies as an uns- unsubstantiated stunt. Navy Lieutenant Ryan Graves, who uh, actually participated in UFO hearings in the U.S., said uh, today's Thursday. Yeah, said yesterday that he was disappointed in the presentation to the Mexican Congress. So, like, it, 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 like it looked too much like how Hollywood. It does was look thing. like ET. Yeah, again, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just. But again, are we covering it up? Is that a guy who's covering it up? I, I, are we covering it up? I was talking about this yesterday. Like, don't you? What are the odds we just nailed it? Right, like as far as our Hollywood depictions yeah, of aliens, it's, it's 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 ridiculous. Like the UFO is just a flying saucer too. Like, yeah, oh, we're just yeah. knocking it out of the park every yeah. time with our guesses. Guess what? In uh, New Mexico, we actually have found uh, a UFO, and it looks exactly like a flying saucer. What is what would be the motivation for the Mexican Congress to take this step to bring this to everyone's attention? And they want to just troll us. Is that what it is? Or they just want some attention. 
I don't know, but I need some uh, some real life UFO conclusions. I need them, Charlie. I think this is good a good uh, part of your stand up. I think you should do that. Just batting a thousand on Spielberg movies. Yes, yes, that they've just hit it. Like we have the best writers in that. We should just hire them. The scientists, basically. I just, I just want a conclusion. You know, like, come on now. Like we've been dragging our feet on this. Somebody with some degree of intelligence and and respectability. Come on, just show me something. Show me something. Show me an alien. If you got it, show it. Zetterman walked in right when you said that. Show me an alien. <laughs> There's an alien. Yes. E.T. phone home. All right. Uh, Eagles and Vikings tonight. Who you got? Uh, well, I've got the Eagles to win a close game. Okay. But I believe the Vikings cover. Eagles have ruled out Gainwell, Bradbury, and Blankenship against the Vikings tonight. I think the Vikings will play a little cleaner game, but... I- I, I don't think I think there's a bad despite the fact that they won they hung on in New England and won against the Patriots I think the Eagles were a little down on themselves and I think they're going to be prepared ready to play tonight so you do I do I told you I put the old teaser in oh yeah yeah I uh, teased the number the total down and I'm going over and I'm teasing the Eagles down to what would it be what are the Eagles what's their favorite are they favored by how many it was six and a half last oh, night, so Jack? I get that thing you know all they got to do is win. Now. I, I heard Viking Scott call in and give a tip to the listeners. He likes Kirk Cousins over in passing attempts. attempts. I thought that was – I'm going to play that on uh, his – like, hey, no one knows their team. Like, a oh, guy he's going to chuck it. Yeah. Hard, yeah. Uh, he, he may expire on the field because that O-line is a complete disaster. Listen, you thought and, – and the Tampa Bay front is a group of grown-ass men. That, you know what? There's aliens on that Philadelphia front seven. Like, you want to talk aliens? And I mean that in a positive way. They are playing an out-of-this-world style of defense. So, I don't know. Anyway, the news here uh, up at Hallis Hall today that the Bears have placed cornerback Kyler Gordon on injured reserve, which means he'll miss at least four games. That sucks. I don't think we've mentioned that yet, have we? No, we did. We, we, we talked about that in, uh, in uh, Crosstalk, and also uh, Yurko asked Jesse Rogers about it. Today. Oh, what did Jesse have to say? What you heard that right, Danny. That was Yurko's lone question to Jesse Rogers today in the baseball hat. By the way, your Cubs have the day off. They need a day off. It's good. That yeah. horse manure effort up in Colorado. They had played 27 games in 27 days. Is Danny, you want to buy out? You want out? They still have a 70-some percent chance to make the postseason. Big series starting tomorrow in Arizona. I was having a nice conversation with Tyler on the way up here because I picked up the young lad. He was just roaming around in, in Wrigleyville. What so do you I mean said, roaming hey, around? I don't know. I said, hey, Tyler, I'll meet you up at Hallis Hall. He goes, oh, can I get a ride? I'm roaming around here in Wrigleyville. What were you? Wait, wait let me turn this No, on. he was. He wasn't. But my point was, is I asked Tyler, who's Which an one? avid. This one? He's an avid Cubs fan. I said to Tyler, are you concerned that at the end of the season the Cubs play the Braves for three, and then the end of the season with three with the Brewers, and then Tyler responded with the following. The I just don't know how many games those Braves players will be playing at the end. They clinched the, the NL East yesterday, and they have, I think, a seven-and-a-half game advantage over the Dodgers for the top spot. So maybe at, that, maybe at that time, though, Tyler, the Cubs could be the team going to Atlanta to play the Braves, and maybe they don't want the Cubs, and maybe they want to knock them out. Would that work? Um, well, so... The Cubs would, it, 
the Cubs or the Braves have a bye through the first round. Okay, so maybe well, they might... don't want to see him at all in the playoffs, but right. yeah. I'd imagine, and they've got a couple guys that I think haven't missed a game all season. I think Matt Olson and Austin Riley have played every single game this season. Did they break the record for most home runs by a team? Or are they on pace to do it? I don't know. I haven't seen those numbers, but with with those guys, you'd imagine they're probably somewhere on pace. Yeah. Um, but th- they may not be wanting to play their guys at the end. They may be resting some of those guys down the stretch. Are you uh, are you sucking your thumb and clinging to no. your Cubs uh, night? Uh, Maybe blanky? after a couple more losses, but I wasn't after yesterday's. Okay. I was disappointed at their performance. I was not one of the angry souls uh, after the the series in Colorado. Okay. But are you punting on the division at this point? I'm not punting yet. But I... Uh, I'm it, getting very close. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's third and long. Yeah. But he's snapping your fingers at. The Braves don't have the record for home runs? Okay. What are they on Danny pace? Zetterman, are they, they on pace? They, uh, Danny Zetterman with a contribution to the show today. It's with good a, to see. With a snap, too. Yeah. Well done. Uh, okay, that's it. Uh, when we that's come it. back, I have a story about Caesars and MGM getting hacked. And I have a death story for you. Uh, a death story? Yeah, I do. A near, how about this? A near-death story that I think you'll be interested in. Have you ever heard the story that Cap died on the table? I, about four million times. And then he saw, he, we're going yes. somewhere. Yes, yeah. about four million times. I've heard that and the, uh, the uh, what was it? Dirk Nowitzki story? The Dirk Nowitzki story. Yeah. I don't know which one I've heard more. But yeah, we'll, when we come back, I'll bring you that. Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Did you guys see this story about uh, MGM and Caesars both being hacked by Scattered Spider, I guess is the name of the, you know, the computer whatever they use uh three yeah, weeks apart hackers yeah i mean the hacking groups among most aggressive attackers are targeting the u.s and they're demanding ransom from both casino operators the mgm resorts international was hacked by the same group of attackers that breached caesars weeks earlier i believe tyler weren't you telling me that caesar or uh caesars paid the ransom and mgm has not yet were you the one telling uh, me that no that was dan that was Thomas. Oh, that's yeah. right. It was Dan Borelli, who's in charge of all things Bears uh, media. Right? What's Dan's title? All things Bears media? Yeah, we'll go with that. Sign his business but, card. But, I mean, like, that is, that's scary as hell, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's why you got to take your uh, security training, Waddle. Have you completed your security training I for have. September? I suck up. I have. Totally. I, I did it all. Yo, he's not? Yes, I have. Carmen's the I worst at it. it. What, did you do it sitting next to Keith in his office, or yeah. what? I bet you did. Look, I do what I'm asked. Right. Would you only have to do it sitting next to the boss? Hey, boss, I'm doing this. I'm sitting right next to you. No, yes, I've done it. You want to see just, on my phone? Just do, I what, you're, just do I what you're did. told. I did. I did what I was told. You know, look, we're, we're, we form a human firewall. We could stop all of this as a, as a unit. I, I want you to be in leading the charge. Only you can prevent data breaches. Yeah. Yes. Totally see, you're in, Ty- yeah. uh, Charlie. You've you've done the security I, training, uh, haven't you? Yeah. No, you totally. haven't. Totally. There's no chance. I you never did forget ever. Training. 
Hey, I need to give you this story. The study of cardiac arrest survivors reveals insight into near-death experiences. Researchers who monitored the brain waves of people undergoing CPR found that some survivors had positive memories and dreamlike sensations. This stuff freaks me Me too. Out. Me too. There's nothing more extreme than cardiac arrest because they're literally teetering between life and death. They're in a deep coma and they don't respond to us physically at all, said lead study author Dr. Sam Parnia. Uh, he's with the New York uh, University Langone uh, Health. Uh, we were able to show, what we were able to show is that up to 40% of people actually have a perception of having been conscious to some extent. That perception can be just a vague feeling that something is happening around them. However, six patients in the study reported what the researcher called transcendent recalled experiences of death or what many people think of as near-death experience. It, it, like I, it's, the, like it's the biggest mystery of life is death, is what happens during death. Right? Some survivors had positive memories such as seeing a light, a tunnel, or a family member or feeling intense emotions such as love, tranquility, and peace. Others, however, had a feeling of separation from the body and a recognition that they had died or had delusions of monsters or faceless figures. Who no. Maybe that, that. that is directly tied to how you lived your life. If you're a good person, you feel positive things. If you're an ass, when they're resuscitating you, all you see is demons. Because you think you're going to hell? I don't know. Charlie, is this could, could it be that Hollywood has uh, nailed this one, too? Apparently. <laughs> that is, it's exactly what Hollywood has said, that when we die, we're going somewhere. Yeah, the exorcist is right on it. They're not just the script writers of movies, but the script no. writers of life. And by the they way, also, before we, uh, we head to break, uh, I just want you to know that NASA is planning on using AI in their search for alien life. So... Well, what are we doing? Like, this is... We're only... Again, it's... We're, we're going to lose the war because we think it's helping win the battle, right? I don't know what, what that meant. That I'm meant that AI is helping us... In the short term, right. achieve some things with NASA, but it's going to have us all killed in the long run. We're going to lose the. So says Carmen. Lose the war. So says Carmen. Right. Now, so you're subscribing it. to DeFalco theory. Well, we're going to keep using them, and it's going to only advance AI even more until they take us over and kill us. I want more than anything to see concrete evidence of UFO stuff. Like this is one thing I want. That's what I want. That's your diet. I want wish. that in a Bears victory so on Sunday. So you want to know. Yeah, but the... I do want, I mean, like, if you, not... you want to put me at ease, there's two things that you need to, that need to have happen so that I can get a good night's sleep. The Bears get that horrible taste of the loss to the Packers out of their mouths and mine on Sunday in Tampa, and I get some concrete evidence about UFO stuff. This is what we talked about on the Lost Unhinged episode. I don't know if we'll ever get it posted, but it, we talked about what we want to have happen before AI eliminates us. You know, and I said I want to get that quarterback eventually. Whether it's Justin or someone else. Um, Alright, would you rather send us your best would you rathers, either this or that, would you rather uh, tweet them using the hashtag WS, would you rather the best entry, will get a gift card to the Pride stores. Send them to Tyler Aki. It's at Tyler Aki underscore. Should we play a little Would You Rather with Bear and, and Joniak as oh, well yeah, during Bears so. Weekly? We, it's a Bears production. I don't know if they want oh, that okay. to happen. Um, we'll talk to Barstool Big Cat. Can't miss radio. Coming up next.